Okay, first thing, first let's start with Elon Musk. What's going on with him? <laughs> is he quite quitting? So I think everything happened in Twitter is the exact opposite of quiet quitting. <laughs> well, and he brought a sink. So let's see what's going to happen. Move forward. People talking business. All right, hey everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Forward, the podcast that gives you ideas and thoughts to take your business self and team forward. Hey, Yuval. Hey, Shaked. Welcome back again. Nice being with you here. I have a question in mind. There are so many workforce and HR trends. What do you think we should expect in 2023? Well, I'd love to take the profit seat, uh, but I do think there's a lot to talk about. And please, please, can we avoid quiet quitting? <laughs> okay, folks. So today we're going to talk about super important topic. We're going to focus on HR trends and hot topics and the change in the workforce, okay? So we really want to talk about this change and the HR side of things because it really combines everything that affects whether an employee will stay or quit their job, which is very important, very significant for a business growth and success because it causes a lot of costs. Uh, we will discuss the 2023 HR trends and challenges now that Gen Z, the one and only, is taking over the workforce and we have a blend of generations and we need to deal with that. It brings in new change, new challenges, and we're going to discuss, of course, of how we can overcome these challenges. So, Yuval, what we had in 2022 in terms of HR and the workforce? So I think if you're looking at 2022 and even start at 2021, we're looking at a tipping point, right? We had a lot of things combining all into a single period of time. So first and foremost, the change of generation. Uh, I think you mentioned it, Generation Z, like new folks coming into the workforce. We had the pandemic, which is a little bit of old news by now, but still very relevant and had a huge impact on the workforce. We had what everyone liked to call the Great Resignation where people basically started looking around. We're probably going to talk a little bit more about that. There's a little bit of shift of power between an employee and an employer. There's much less loyalty to the workplace. Economic changes. And there are a lot of economical changes, you know, that are happening. Things like the inflation and the current workforce uh, status that you see that are really impacting everything altogether. So what we had in 2022 and what we'll have in 2023 are two completely separate things when it comes to workforce. To workforce. And I think also because you mentioned that we had a lot of events in the recent two years. So we are in a tipping point and also... I think the fact that we are a bit exhausted from everything, from the pandemic, we all carry some sort of anxiety and stress. And of course, in the workplace, it comes more into effect. And I think that really holds a lot of the challenges that we will need to deal in 2023 and also, therefore, the trends that will come in. Okay, so I think that we really had many challenges and the network were discussing a lot of things. And one term that really stood up this year was quite quitting. So the terms people like to use. Yeah. First of all, it's it's not a new term and it's not a new concept, mm -hmm. but I think it, sh it shows that since like a decade ago, it wasn't that effective. People today are actively disengaged with their businesses and the engagement rate is decreased in a level that was a decade ago. So I guess that's why it comes back. 
the quiet quitting. Let's talk about it for a sec. So let's start with what quiet quitting actually means, right? So quiet quitting is when someone in their job basically decides to do as little as they can until someone decides to fire them instead of just, you know, quitting their job. That's why we call it quiet quitting. Basically, it means that you are trying to take advantage of your employer as much as you can to the point that the employer says, okay, I don't want to work with you anymore. I'm setting you free. Naturally, it's a very negative phenomenon if you're looking at it from pretty much every perspective. From an employer standpoint, there's no reason to elaborate, right? You have an employee that basically doesn't want to deliver, so obviously they don't deliver value. From a business standpoint, that means a lot of cost, and it also affects the other people in your environment, which is, again, a very negative impact. But even for the individual that does that, they are in a mindset of, I don't want to do this, but I'm still here. That by itself has a very, very negative impact. Like you're not enjoying what you're doing. You're trying to find a way, you know, to get your boss to fire you. So you're basically stretching something that shouldn't be stretched. At the end of the day, if people are not productive or not happy to an extent with what we do, we obviously all do things that we don't want to do. You're not in the right place. You know, if I could send a message to those people trying quiet quitting, it's just instead of quiet quitting, how about finding a place you like to work at? and actually putting the hours. And I think as an employer, we need to know how to deal with it. We need to know to recognize that early on. Sometimes it's hard to let people go. Sometimes we don't have the attention to notice. We need to build better instincts when it comes to that so we can stop that early on in the process. Well, I guess it's also uh, to learn to let people go, but also, and we'll talk about that, to find ways to make people stick, right? And engage them better. Because a lot of times... Your employees would quite quit because they feel unappreciated, that they're not getting heard. And then they will do basically the bare minimum and they will say, okay, no one cares about me. I'll just, I need to be here because I need money. Yeah. And then you find yourself with a disengaged group of stuff. And I'm going to read something from uh, Gallup right here. So you'd know the US employee engagement took another step backward during the second quarter of 2022 with the proportion of engaged workers remaining at 32%, which is still pretty low, but the proportion of actively disengaged increasing to 18%. So the ratio of engaged to actively disengaged employees is now 1.8 to 1, which is the lowest in almost a decade. Okay, and what that brings is a very disengaged group of employees that also will take their friends. So I'm reading a quote of one of the employees that were surveyed, and he said, I'm going to leave as soon as I can, and I've been spreading the word to the friends I work with that other opportunities exist. So not only it's hurting the business and this one employee that wants to quit, but he really going to take and attract other employees, good talents with them. So I think you're touching on one of the most difficult subjects today. And, you know, we're going to cover a few trends today. Much of it is around how do we keep our employees appreciated? I'm going to take a step back and I'm going to say that it's very connected to the change, all those changes that we had recently, right? If you had talked to, a, I don't know, a bakery owner, five, seven years ago. Sure, it was. it's never easy running employees. It's never easy hiring. It's never easy onboarding. But it wasn't as hard to retain employees and good employees as it is today. And I think that's because a lot of things are shifting, right? And I want to take a comparison from a completely different domain. Think about banks or cellular companies. Banks used to have one job. They keep your money safe, 
you know, they make their money out of it and life is easy. But to transition from one buck to the other was very difficult. Same goes for cellular companies, right? You had one cellular company to transition to a different company was very, very difficult. Then became all, all those rules came out, all those regulations, making it much, much easier to transition from one company to the next. Basically, what it created is competition. As a user, or in this case, if I'm doing the, uh, the correlation, as an employee, I have more opportunities today, or think that's what I believe. It's easier for me to work on this place at day one and on this place at day two. My connection to the workplace is much, much lighter than it used to be. And what that created in banks and what that created in cellular companies, and I think in a way we should be seeing that happening now in businesses, is having those bank and cellular companies fighting for the attention and the level of satisfaction of that potential user, of that potential customer. If I, again, take that correlation to our business side of things, we as employers need to be able to live up to those expectations today mm -hmm. and to be a workplace of choice. And we can achieve that through a lot of different things. So Gallup here, when they are quoting, you know, how disengaged employees they are, how disconnected they are to the business, they're actually telling us that we as employers need to work much, much harder to create that connection with the business. Exactly, because today it's very easy to do job hopping, like we do bank hopping. And I think you need to really propose a good value proposition in order to provide those kind of things that really make employee stays. So let's dive in and, and talk about after uh, we're a bit exhausted and the mindset has changed and the requirements are really changed right now, the balance in life, work, employer, employee. So let's see what's going on and what's going to be in 2023. And let's start with something that I hear a lot. Also, when I was in the HR tech conference in Vegas, everybody was talking about the focus on total well-being. So the well-being of the employee. And let's uh, take a look on some insights here. So according to the American Psychological Association, nearly three in five employees reported negative impacts of work-related stress in the wake of the pandemic. 87% of Americans feel anxious about inflation and seven in 10 employees are worried that their compensation hasn't kept up with the changes in purchasing power. Okay, so we have a very important trend and challenge for the HR arena in 2023 is to keep the mental health and well-being of employees and also managers, all the organization actually. Yeah, I very much agree. And I think, you know, if we look at ourselves, business owners, business managers, etc., you find that you're dealing much more with staffing issues these days, right? You need to hire more, you need to onboard more. Think that you need managers in your store. If a manager leaves, that's a big issue, right? It's very, very hard to build that trust. It's very hard to find those relevant people. So naturally, that creates a lot of stress. Now put that all together with the uncertainties and the difficulties that come from COVID, that come from inflation, that come from an employee that doesn't show up, you're dealing with a lot of things on your day-to-day -day basis. And I think on the HR front of things, more than in other places, why this process is very, very attention-intensive. 
you know you need to put your mind into it it's relationships it's talking to people it's finding those people it's harnessing them to the cause alongside of doing everything you need to do to run your business so it becomes very very difficult to do those things and that's not just true for us it's also true for our employees even those employees that do the job hopping they need to be absorbed in a new organization every time that takes energy that takes a lot of time into finding that place into going into that routine when you feel comfortable in your workplace and i mean comfortable in a good way in the in the way that you know what's going on you know how to do your job you're appreciated etc etc so i think alongside the stress that comes we really need to consider everything that is surrounding the well-being of our ourselves our HR teams, our managers, and of course, our employees. And well-being is a very comprehensive word. We can talk about it in a lot of different places. I'm not necessarily talking about, you know, that term that everyone likes to use, work-life balance. I'm talking about how we find well-being within the craziness of our current reality and the new reality that we're going to have in 2023. Totally agree. I think maybe it's work-life integration, but it's really today up to or upon the managers, the HR department, the business owners, to understand that that's a new factor that you need to keep in mind, right? I think it comes down to burnout. I think there's a lot of burnout that we carry from the recent year or two years, and also for the managers themselves. So we'll talk about tools and solutions that you can use, but you should also implement methodologies and tools that will help your HR managers to be themselves less burnt out. It's like they need to put first the oxygen mask to take care of themselves, and then they can take care of the employees. And, and if I think eventually the mental health, the well-being is the balance between you say, okay, I'm not feeling healthy anymore and it's not worthing the money. Now, the health is over the money. So that's why as an employee, we need to take care of that and say, okay, let's level it up, give you a good experience, a good culture. Let's take care of you so you can keep those employees, first of all, productive, but also engaged and retain them. So next up, another trend for 2023 is managing workforce ecosystems. So let's uh, dive a bit deeper into that. So in the United States alone, 16% of Americans have earned money through gig platforms. Okay, so according to ADP, in about 40% of companies, one in four workers is a gig worker. This means that a big part of the total workforce goes unmanaged and HR is missing out on an opportunity to make an impact out of that. Okay, so in 2023 is the year where HR will begin to manage the complex workforce ecosystem beyond permanent employees. So that includes vendors, contractors, and so on. So just to give you a few examples, so it makes more sense, Uber is the largest taxi company without drivers. Airbnb is the largest hotel chain without properties. And soon it's going to be exactly the same in the workspace. What do you think about that, Yuval? So first, I agree. We use the word, or at least the research uses the word gig workers. But, you know, we think about them as contractors, subcontractors, basically folks that we're used to work with, but are not necessarily our 1099s or full-time employees, in other words. So... Those folks, at the end of the day, if you look at it from a, let's call it, productive perspective, they're employee pretty much all around. They're taking the job, they're interacting with our customers, they're making sure, you know, they're responsible for the customer satisfaction, etc., etc. So in all those aspects, they're actually employees of our company. Let's take an example. I run a carpentry and I have a person, a third party that I work with for high-end woodwork. And I want them to serve my customers to the 
best of their ability. So it's true that we're working on an independent basis, but still we're all intertwined. It doesn't happen once and it doesn't happen twice. So I think one of the big mindset changes that are happening right now is the understanding that you can do more by outsourcing a lot of those people, by relying on those third parties, those subcontractors. But the right way of doing it is being compelling for those folks as well and embedding them into your day-to-day work, thinking of them as part of your own workforce. So in that sense, you know, giving them a positive experience, it starts with the mindset. It starts with how you treat them, right? The way you behave with them. You don't think about them as another person doing a job. You're thinking about them as a resource that you're going to use for a long period of time. And hence, you want them to want to work with you. So you're making them feel welcome and you're communicating with them. By the way, on higher levels, if you see organizations that do it really, really well, they intertwine them all the way to the level of the technology. You'll see them appearing in some of their HR systems or the communication systems or other systems. But the bottom line here is to take those third parties, those folks that are out there, and to make them a part of your organization, if you, even if you're not the one paying the paycheck eventually. But I think it's even deeper than that, and I totally agree. When you have like an integrated uh, workspace, you need to say, I'm going to manage also the contractors. You need to manage also them. You need to include them in your management systems and in methods. So when you see them as an integrated part in your company, you would make the most out of it. So I'll give an example. If you're managing a hotel, so the, the cleaners, they'll be subcontractors, but they're interacting with the customers. They need to keep the room clean. So you want to manage them as well because the results of their work will affect your product and service. I'll give another example. If you're managing a construction company, the electricians that comes to the job site, that the project depends on that, they're outsourced, right? So you must combine and understand that today, the workforce is changing and you're going to rely on third parties and you need also to manage them HR-wise if you want them to thrive, therefore your business. Correct. And I think that, you know, with time passing through, we'll see more and more specialities that are outsourced. We'll see that type of relying on third parties becoming more and more important. And a good business owner, a smart business owner would ask themselves, or an HR department, depending on the size of your organization. How do I make that a more integral part of my organization? How do I think on those subcontractors? How do I make sure that they feel welcome? And I give them the tools to Mm -hmm. succeed. And that starts with managing them and treating them in a way that demonstrate, I want to have a lasting relationship and I want to give you what you need in order to succeed. And tools, it's a key word, and we'll touch upon some tools you can use just in a few minutes. But first, I want to touch on another, I don't know, I find it uh, interesting. I'm not quite convinced it's the biggest topic, but it's there. Another trend for 2023 for HR is HR enters the metaverse. So <laughs> it's a topic. Gartner uh, predicts that by 90, 96, 25% of people will spend at least one hour per day in the metaverse are you using you mean you by in, 2026 2026 yeah i doubt it i Wait, mean you try metaverse i did i actually bought a, an oculus uh, oh uh, right at the time <laughs> but in all honesty i think you know if lo- you look at the workforce 80 percent of the workforce does not sit behind a computer not to mention even have a work email i think that's a very very big leap to talk about you know metaverse and virtual reality so in my honest and modest opinion i think it would take a little bit longer for us to see that go into relevant businesses i would actually talk about adopting technology 
before I talk about adopting virtual reality. And by technology, I mean replacing pen and paper. Sometimes folks are using Excel for a variety of things. There are today more dedicated tools for those type of things. Could be around scheduling, could be around different types of calculations you do. So basically, I think technology is a great thing for businesses. And I definitely expect us to see more of that coming into 2023. But if you ask me about Metaverse... I think we'll have many more episodes before we see that come into play. Yeah, I guess what you're saying. There's a research of BCG that shows that around 70% of the companies, they are still using pen and paper and calling each other for Mm -hmm. uh, operations and HR-related things. So yeah, Metaverse is a bit over the head. (laughs) Maybe first they should move to technology. But anyways, Meta is investing $150 million to increase learning in Metaverse. So yeah, it's interesting. You know, Meta is taking the Metaverse into the business world that just because businesses are easier to adopt around that area, which probably be more about face-to-face meetings going into Metaverse meetings. Yeah. But if you're still communicating, you know, by funneling down communication or bulletin boards, probably your next stop is not a virtual reality conference room it's more around a communication application okay perfect so uh, let's drop the metaverse another trend for 2023 that is out there is the increased investments in deskless workers so i think that's a very important one the pandemic has highlighted the importance of deskless or non-desk or frontline workers who were on the front lines fighting uh the pandemic like nurses supermarkets and so on So that's one thing. And there's good news as well. The vast majority of non-desk workers, 97%, report that they would stay in the current roles if their conditions improve. Such conditions go beyond a pay rise, meaning that HR needs to offer deskless workers the same opportunities as their desk-bound counterparts. So what that means that in 2023, we need to increase the investment in those non-desk workforces, which includes implementing mobile-first self-service solutions, career opportunities and promotions, better compensation that we talked about, and improved working conditions like flexibility and the word that you don't like, work-life balance. So I really relate to what you're saying. I think 100%. If you're looking at the deskless workforce or frontline employees being 80% of the global workforce, they're still very underserved when it comes to conditions, technology, even the way of thinking, if you look at a high level. And many of them, you know, they would keep doing what they do if life were a little bit easier. So 100% you can adopt technologies that make them feel, and it connects to the first trend that we talked about, the well-being and about the burnout. You know, if you feel more connected to the organization, If you see the face of the leadership, and it doesn't have to be directly, it could be through effective communication. If you have more flexibility and when you're taking your shift and what that shift actually means, if your day-to-day work becomes easier, you don't need to work with pen and paper, you don't have those daily frustrations, all those things end up and pile up into a much better experience for me as the end employee. Now, regarding compensation, Compensation is always a difficult subject because it's directly related to costs. But even there, there are some things that we can do. You know, I like to tell it to a lot of the people that I'm engaging with. If you have one strong employee that does the job of three of them, and many times it is the case, especially in managerial roles, then maybe it's worth more than the benchmark payroll that you're usually paying. And obviously you can't pay that to everyone and you have a lot of concerns on how that funneled through. But sometimes it's worth taking that risk. 
as long as you can explain it to yourself and you can see the return on investment that you're doing there. But it's those employees that, you know, that give the extra mile, that care that really makes a difference. But in either case, if you're looking at those folks working in the front line, it doesn't matter if it's healthcare or transportation or security or coffee shops or carpentries, in all those different places, people want to be appreciated. People want to have flexibility and control and people want to be well compensated, I would say. And compensation, people tend to think, is only what you get you know, on your back account at the end of the week, two weeks, month, depending on where you work. But it's much more than that. Compensation is the entire package that comes with what I give to you and what I get in return. Appreciations fall into that place. Health falls into that place. The ability to see my kids and choose my hours. So we need to think about it in a holistic approach and we definitely need to invest more. I think one of the easiest investment really is those um, mobile first application for deskless workers because that's really something that helps you connect with them. I think not only it helps you connect with them, but I was talking with one customer, a big construction company in Canada, and he said through an employee management app, I got my weekends back, I got my evenings back, and now we can have more time with family. So it's not only about the employees, like we think about trends, the things that will help the employees, but it should also help the management, right? Because if you're implementing the right system and you can finally oversee your remote staff, the frontline workers, you can have better control, you can be more effective, then you can have more time, energy, effort, and whatever it takes to make their experience better and even invest in thinking about that. So it's not that obvious. We talked about the burnout of HR managers, right? So if you use technology, you get less burnt out, then you can invest in increasing your employees' experience. And another thing that I think comes in here, and it's quite important, is when you think about HR, a lot of times we think about just serving employees and talking to them and so on. But I think when we talk about mobile-first solution, it's not nice to have, and it's not a recommendation the way I see it. I think it's a must because today, that's what we talked about generation, generation Z and even, I don't know, our parents, we do everything with our smartphones, every, everything. It's super easy to order food, to even to book a flight becomes super easy. And it doesn't make sense to come to work and act and live and communicate like dinosaurs. And I don't know what's going on with my schedule. I don't know where I should be. It's super hard to get my manager. Everything is with phone calls. I don't want to, like no one talks anymore on a, call, on a phone call, right? We need everything to be instantaneous. And if they don't get this experience, you will lose them to a competition that does use these type of solutions. So I think that's not only a trend, but it's an absolute must to adopt the way to the new generation, the new way that life goes, and stick with the mobile-first solution, connect everybody around that. I second that with all my heart. I think that, and, and by the way, it, it speaks to the entire trend that you'll see. I think business owners need to understand that the market is changing. If you are not adapting, you're left behind. And adapting means understanding what you need to succeed, what your managers need to succeed, and what your employees need to succeed. And if you're spending so much time on X and it takes so much of your energy, bring a tool to do that. There are a lot of tools out there, free tools, payable tools, pick your choice. But at the end of the day, do what you need in order to be competitive. And today we don't need to be just competitive for our customers, but also for our employees and especially for the good quality employees that drive our business forward. So I think that mindset of understanding things are shifting. I have to adapt. What can I do? Probably the easiest step is to adopt that solution and with deskless and frontline employees that's definitely have to be a mobile first solution that makes your life easier. Spot on. 
Alright, so uh, let's see what else we got here before we sum it up. So we talked about the change in the workforce and the generations and also the HR trends and challenges. There's a nice piece of BCG that I found that they're really elaborating about the Gen Z employees and, and so on. So I'll read a bit of that. Uh, so the younger workers are more likely to quit their deskless jobs than older workers. Nearly half, 48% of Gen Z employees are at risk of leaving their jobs in the next six months. So even the cycle is so short if you're not implementing these type of technologies and compared with 35% of Gen Y that used to grind anyways. And of course, baby boomers would be only 24%. Now, the interesting part is among these non-desk workers who said they might leave their jobs, 50% cited lack of flexibility again, or work-life balance uh, as a reason. Flexibility can be in the schedule, in the way that they interact with the company, and other top reasons would be lack of career advancement, pay, lack of enjoyment in their current position, and lack of recognition for their contribute. I think here it's very interesting to note because I'm looking at the numbers that you're mentioning. If you would ask me or ask, let's call it a regular business owner, how many people, what's the key reason for leaving? They would probably say pay. But you can see here that the lack of flexibility is responsible for 50% of people leaving yep. as opposed to only 30% leaving due to pay and the career advancement being 41%. So both the flexibility and the career advancement were more important to employees than the actual pay. That's astonishing numbers. And just a few notes here of things that we can keep in mind in order to increase those things and help with the flexibility and the career advancement. One is flexible schedules. So what tools can we use in order to provide flexible schedules to employees? Does that mean only to give them flexible shifts or is there anything that I can incorporate as a business owner? So first it's around your mindset and methodology. Definitely use the relevant tools. Goes back to that workforce management app that we talked about. There are a lot of good tools out there. You know, when they can replace shifts, claim shifts, ask for shifts, say when they're available, when they're not available, especially in businesses that works on an hourly basis. That's very easy to utilize because you don't have to have the employee every single day. You can choose your shifts. So that's one way you can achieve that. Another way is really about rethinking sometimes the way you work. You know, you have X shifts. Maybe you can divide those shifts to smaller shifts and have more people for lesser time, but they get more flexibility because they can choose the shifts in a more granular manner. So there are a lot of things around how you structure things that I think could really impact that layer of flexibility. And lastly... And that also connects a little bit to the development. Are there people that are able to do one, more than a single job? Or what does it take for me to allow to some of my employees to be able to do another role? And if they can do more than a single role, they can meet more potential shifts and then they gain more flexibility. And that's also true for you, by the way. You as a manager, it's become easier for you to shape those shifts and for you to occupy the shifts that you need. So let's talk about the second thing that we can do. It's about expanded benefits. I'm not quite sure what expanded benefits means, like if it's a, you know, better healthcare insurance. insurance and all that. But for me, I think that it really, like we saw in the numbers here and we can see every day and also from our data, we can heavily see that, that the key factor for engagement and retention, like a true key factor is not the benefits and like you said, not the pay but mostly around the recognition, the appreciation, the ease of work. Like if as an employee, you provide 
me with the tools to be more productive and also to show that I'm doing hard work and recognize me, you got me. I will stick with you for longer and then you help me also to grow. I think it's important when you think about benefits and in general, when you think about your employees, you need to understand that in a way they're a type of customer for you. You need to understand their mindset and what they care about. So if we're looking at classical benefits, it's not always just the health insurance or the dental insurance. It could be small things like, you know, a voucher for purchasing something on Starbucks or something in the supermarket. It could be things that are related a little bit to my hobbies or things that I think are relevant for, you know, my well-being in a way. So this is more... Basically things that shows you care about them. That you give them, you think about a holistic experience. It doesn't have to be big bucks to make that difference. It could be very, very small things. I think that when we think about benefits... What we should be doing, we should put ourselves in the shoes of our employees, in a way thinking about them a little bit as customers, right? So what do they care about? What is meaningful for them? So health insurance obviously is a big one, and that's the most traditional one, but it's not the only thing. Younger folks may care more about vouchers for different places. Could be Starbucks, could be, I don't know, workout-related equipment. So there are a lot of different types of benefits that you can bring to the table, and it doesn't have to be big bucks. But show that you care, show that you thought about that, understand what really moves the needle for them. And that could be a really, really big play. And I think alongside benefits, there are a few things that we're not talking about enough, which is other things that are rewarding, not necessarily in a very financial way. And if you look at the Maslow chart, then you know that people really, really like being appreciated. They really like being recognized. Ask yourself, you know, the places you enjoy working at, why did you like working there? Was it because the salary was very high? No, it's, it usually was one of three reasons. You had an amazing manager, you really enjoy working with them, or a great team, right? It was more on the social side of things. Number two, you felt you were making progress. You saw where you started and you saw how you were climbing the ladder. So you felt you're moving somewhere. And number three, you were appreciated. You felt that people look at you as someone that knows what they do. They appreciated the job that you did. So it's on that internal emotional level of getting that feedback. And I would say recognition for the hard work that you were putting. And on the other hand, if you had one of those on the negative side, that was a very big encouragement to leave that job, right? That manager you don't want to talk to, that team of selfish people that you don't care about, or you feel like you're working really, really hard, but no one is seeing you. So that worked both sides. And I think those less conventional ways are super important in order to drive that encouragement among employees and that adoption. Beautiful. And I think it just gives me two examples. One is if you were to consult your kid about the job and he would come home and say, mom, they didn't treat me well. They don't want to promote me. Da, da, da. You say, just quit the job, right? No, but they pay, me for, they pay me well. You say, no, 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 just quit it. Go to a place that you can thrive, that you can be in, in a good place. You like the culture. So I think uh, the same we should uh, provide. Another thing that sounds technical most of the times, but for me, I think it's one of the most important things. If you have all this as a methodology and this mindset, that's fine. But if you don't provide your team, your employees with actual tools, I think it won't work. That's the most critical thing. And that's why we see that's a huge trend for mobile first solutions for 2023 and I guess beyond. And I think it's really building, I like this phrase, a frontline first culture understanding that there's a different culture here that you need to adapt to. 100%. And I love the term frontline first culture. I think that's very, very true. And I'm also very much in agreement on what you said of you build a business 
it's a system. Everything is a system. The way you treat your customers, it's a system. The way you hire is a system. The way you onboard, it's a system. For a system to work well, it's need the right methodology, the right tool, and the right people. Without that, you're lost. Spot on. We can stop here. No, I'm kidding. Okay, so uh, let's sum it up. We talked about the HR challenges and trends for 2023, the challenges that we had because of the past two years with the pandemic, with the resignation, with inflation and all that, and also the change in the workforce, which is, I think, the most significant factor for 2023. It really is a tipping point right now. We gave and we touched upon just a couple of examples of how you can implement mobile-first mindset and technology and how you can implement and build a frontline-first culture to make sure that you take these challenges, use technology and solutions in order to overcome these challenges and not to fall short behind them. Any final thoughts or... I think, you know, for me, the bottom line is extremely simple. Things worked one way, things are now and in 2023 are going to work completely different. If you don't open your eyes and you understand that and you play along with it, you're going to be left behind. If you don't understand that now it's a market where you need to fight for the attention of the employee, then you're not going to get good employees. You're not going to get good employees. Your business is not going to thrive. On the other hand, if you're going to be the first person to adopt the right tools, to adopt the right mindset, to adopt the right way to play the game, the new game that is coming in 2023, then you're going to be ahead of the curve. And that's exactly myself as a manager or a business owner should strive to be. Always one step ahead of the competition. And that's also true, not just when it comes to customers, but also when it comes to employees and workforce management. If you build a checklist for next year as a business owner with mm-hmm. frontline employees, you need to make like the three main things that you put on the checklist that you need to make sure that happens or you're preparing to next year, what would it be? So number one would be a workforce management tool that is mobile first. Number two would be making sure I have the right managers with me, okay, with the right uh, mindset. And number three would be making sure that I provide adequate employee experience that is suitable and is sustainable for my business. So it's not that I'm going to throw money at my employees because I probably can't afford it, but I'm going to find those creative ways that make a difference. At the end, a business provides the experience based on its people. Okay, so to close it up with a nice spiced up quote, Yuval, do you have uh, anything in mind? <laughs> it's not like you asked me that five minutes ago and let me prep <laughs> it, but yes, I do. So Einstein is my people to quote, Albert Einstein. And he said that insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. And I think going into 2023, that was never more right. We can expect the behavior of 2022 to serve for 2023. Mm. And adaptive mindset, I think, is the key title for business owners going into 2023 and, of course, HR professionals. And if I can add, embrace the change, don't fight it, and understand it's going to bring challenges and find right tools to overcome these challenges. And I would even say more than that, challenges bring opportunities. So adapting the change means you're ahead of the curve. And wait, maybe our producer want to add another uh, quote or uh, wisdom uh, thoughts? Changes. 